thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Back Chat, exploring the five pillars of health, thinking, moving, eating, sleeping, and also your neurology with Dr. Paul Bergamo and Dr. Bianca Dobson. Welcome to Back Chat. My name is Paul Bergamo and it's great to be here in our next podcast. Back Chat is about being your best. It does this by exploring the five pillars of health. It refers to being your best in thinking, moving, eating, sleeping, and also in neurology. Today's Back Chat will cover the pillar of thinking and also in neurology and, and certainly will be something that will be very uh, relevant to people who suffer from headaches. Tell me today with all health podcasts, it's a great pleasure to introduce my fellow chiropractor and co-host, Bianca Dobson. Hey, Bianca, how are you going? Hi, Paul. I'm really good. How are you? Very good. How's your day today? I had a great day today, a non-practice day, so all those other things that need to be done before you get to the patient. Yes. Right. Fantastic. Excellent. Now, we're going to be talking about headaches with our expert tonight and uh, in reflection of comorbidities and sometimes a co-manager with other practitioners. So we're going to take a little bit of a different look at it. And it's really interesting with, say, headaches, for instance, migraines that may have comorbidities that can be associated with anxiety, depression. In some cases, it can be irritable bowel or gut pain. Sometimes it can be even high blood pressure. There can be a lot of other conditions that can sometimes come in, even maybe primarily, and then suddenly we find there's a headache secondarily. What, what, has that been your experience when you've found with certain patients as yeah. well? I, I've seen that a lot, and I've seen that in children as well, Paul, and it's, it sometimes sends you know, the parents on a bit of a um, chase as to what's the cause and what's the real issue here. And it's really interesting that often it can come back to migraine or a headache, and it's disguised as something else. So I can't wait to speak uh, to Craig tonight. Fantastic. So without further ado, let me introduce Dr. Craig Moore. Craig, since becoming a chiropractor, has completed a Master's of Clinical Trials Research at the University of Sydney and is near the completion of his PhD at the University of Technology in Sydney. His PhD studies focus on the management of headaches and migraine by chiropractors from a public health and epidemiological perspective. His headache research has been published in journals such as Spine and BMC Neurology, and Craig is also a fellow of the Chiropractic Academy of Research Leadership Program, the Carl Group, as well as a member of the International Headache Society. Hey, Craig, how are you going? Hey, Paul. Hey, Bianca. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a, a pleasure to be chatting to you guys. Fantastic. Paul, I, I want to jump right in and ask Craig a question, if you don't mind. Craig, can you tell us about the prevalence and the burden, the impact of common recurrent headaches? Thank you, Bianca. Uh, it would be a pleasure, and I'm so glad we're sticking to script tonight with a question like that. But uh, let's start with the uh, prevalence. And, uh, and look, headaches are incredibly common in society. Half to three quarters of adults between the age of 18 and 65 will have had a headache in the last year. A uh, common recurrent headaches, particularly a tension headache and migraine, affect around half of all adults. You've got tension headache at some time affecting around 40% of adults and migraine affecting around 10% of adults and much more common in, in women, I should say, than in men. The third common recurrent headache that we often talk about is cervicogenic headache. So that's the, the classic secondary neck pain headache and that's the current research is suggesting that's affecting around 4% of all adults. So that's, a, that's prevalence if we jump to burden, well, we could go in lots of directions, but certainly the impact of headache disorders on quality of life 
can affect people in a number of ways. We talk about it in terms of personal health, of course, but also uh, it's measurable in terms of its effect on, on work productivity, on family life, on leisure time, on social activities. All of this is, is highly documented when it comes to the burden of headaches. So even though we often read in the literature that headaches are, are, are too often underdiagnosed and, uh, and often undertreated, you know, there's so many people out there with headaches that haven't consulted a healthcare professional. Even though that's still very true, um, these headaches still cause a, a lot of use of healthcare resources, even though they're under underdiagnosed and undertreated. And so, um, when we think about burden, we, we particularly think about the impact of the more severe headaches and the more frequent headaches. So that's where the burden is particularly greatest in those domains that I that I mentioned. So we can have a conversation about all sorts of burdens, but migraine is probably the big one to be to be discussing with your audience. Migraine is uh, the third largest cause of disability um, uh, in, in adults under the age of 50, according to the Global Burden of Disease. And uh, migraine ranks in total as the seventh highest specific cause of disability uh, altogether. In Australia, it's costing around $3 million, uh, not just in healthcare services, but in terms of lost productivity uh, and so forth. In the US, the estimate's about $35 billion is the cost of migraine each year. So huge costs. It's interesting, Banky, what uh, Craig's mentioned there and, and the prevalence. You know, when we see patients every day, we ask a patient if you've suffered from a headache, they often say, well, that's sort of normal. You know, that's just a normal part of my week. You know, it's not even considered yeah. to be an abnormal prevalent event. It's seen as just a, a normal event. It's uh, interesting what Craig's yes. alluded to with the, with the figures there. Craig, if we look at, the say, the different types of headaches, how do professionals, health professionals di- diagnose these types of headaches? Because there are quite a few. Yeah, look, largely a diagnosis with headaches is very much just about taking a great patient history. So there's no special blood test when it comes to headaches, uh, particularly these common recurrent headaches. It's really about taking an effective history so you get uh, a good description of the the characteristics of the headache. Uh, And then beyond that, you'll do a basic physical and neurological examination, which will generally come up as fairly normal. Uh, and so you've pretty much then at that point ruled out any nasty red flags that might be causing the headache. And so it really then just becomes uh, down to uh, the patient's description. And I can take you through the, the descriptors for, for these common recurrent headaches, if you like, although maybe I should just go through the descriptions and we'll, we'll test you on Bianca a little bit and see how you go with your diagnostic skills. Why don't we, uh, why don't we do it that way? Well, look, what, what do you reckon, Bianca? You ready? I'm brave. I'm brave if you are full. Okay, all right. We'll make this a team shared network here. Okay, Craig, go for it. All right, here we go. Um, so, okay, a patient comes into your office. They're talking about a very severe headache. It's a pulsing, sort of throbbing in character. It's mostly on one side of their head. So this is a headache that's they'll tell you is lasting at least four hours long and sometimes up to three days. And this is a headache that's especially aggravated by sort of routine physical activity. So with this headache, this person really can't go to work. Uh, they would prefer to be laying down in a, in a dark room. And they'll often talk about uh, the headache being associated with nausea, potentially some vomiting. So I should be giving it away by now. 
and uh, they'll really have a problem with bright lights or loud noises. Uh, so there's this photophobia, phonophobia going on. How did you go? Well, it sounds migrainous in nature. What do you think, Bianca? It does. It does. Definitely migraine. Definitely migraine. Now, what if I was to go a step further and say that uh, the next patient's walked in with quite similar symptoms, but they've added something to the symptoms that's quite curious. They've, they've started to tell you that they're getting a lot of spotty vision going on or sparkly, flashy sort of uh, lights going on in their visual field for about 20 minutes to an hour just before the headache pain begins. Okay. What so do you think? We've got a bit of a pro. What we call that headache? We've got a bit of a pro-drama, uh, haven't we, here? We've got something beforehand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Bianca? We've got to- We've got to add the migraine with aura, right, Craig? Very good. Very good. You've been studying some notes, I think, there, Bianca. So that's great. Let's go for the third one and we'll see how we go because this next headache is is a headache that commonly occurs in people who also get migraines. So I'm starting to give it away already, but about up to 90% of people with migraines also get this other headache with it. So I'll I'll give you some descriptions of of this other headache they often get if it's not a migraine. So this is a bilateral headache, so both sides of the head. It's not pulsing or throbbing. This is a sort of steady, constant headache pain, and it's much milder. It's more mild to moderate. You wouldn't call this headache of severe intensity. Now, these people will still go to work with this headache, so this headache doesn't affect their routine physical activity at all, and there is no nausea or vomiting going on with this headache, and generally they're not complaining about bright lights or loud noises either. So what have we got there? Is there any? Can I ask you a question back, Craig? Is there any neck sure. relationship with this sort of headache, or is there no neck relationship yes. this sort of headache? Yes. Well, it's, it's an interesting question you're asking, but typically this patient won't come in talking about their neck pain as much as they'll be talking about these headache symptoms. So it's, it's global in nature, steady, pressing headache, milder to moderate, no nausea, no vomiting. Sounds like a pretty tight tension type headache. Very good. Tension type. And I think so common, Craig, that people often just put up with this. This is the normal headache that Paul mentioned mm. earlier. So often patients will, when you probe them, they'll say, oh, yeah, sure, I get just the normal headaches. The headache that they put up with, it's the milder headache that they live with. They're taking Eurofen, they're taking Panadol, and they're really not consulting healthcare providers about this type of headache so much. Interesting. Shall we go for one more? Uh, you ready, Bianca? You're good? Yeah, bring it on. Now, Bianca, you did mention... In a recent conversation, you said you did some of your CPD on a topic. What was the topic you did your CPD on, by the way? <laughs> Headaches. Right. This is good. Actually, if I can, if I can add to that, I, as of my research last night, um, I posted something on my Facebook page today about, Craig, you might be able to speak to this further, about the incidence of continual headaches with long-term headache medication use. And there was a quote by the International Headache Society that I that I used. Um, can I share it with you? Please. Uh, approximately 50% of people with headache on 15 or more days per month for more than three months or more have often have medication overuse headaches. That's it, yes. It's, it's the fastest growing headache in the wider community is a headache diagnosis called medication overuse headache. And so 
what often happens with with people who who are experiencing headaches a lot is they start to 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 over medicate there's an overuse of headache related painkillers and the consequence of anticipating headaches and overusing painkillers actually leads to an increase in their headache frequency so the the definition of chronic headaches as you beautifully mentioned before is is 15 or more headache days per month on average so many of these people with chronic headaches not all of them but many of them have medication overuse headache and and their treatment often managed by a neurologist is is really to slowly bring them away from this overuse of headache medications that's actually perpetual they get the temporary relief but the headache overuse the headache medication overuse is actually perpetuating perpetuating a higher frequency of headaches good research dr dobson well done that's good to see you doing your research there well done Oh, thank you. Very good. Yeah, I'm going to give you one more headache one more. descriptor, if I may, because I'd hate to leave this headache out. Okay. So here we go. We're going to do one more. So this is a headache that's strongly associated with neck pain. So the patient comes in. It's it's a headache, they say, has come on as their headache pain appeared. And typically, it's a headache that improves almost in, in exact temporal relation with the headache, uh, with the neck pain disappearing with it. So this is a patient that has clear loss of uh, cervical spine range of motion. So I'm giving it away now. And this is a headache that you can often provoke or bring on just by uh, hyperextending or hyperlaterally flexing the neck. You can, you can provoke the, the neck enough that you can often trigger this type of headache. Sounds like ding, a... Ding. You go, Bianca. This is a cervicogenic, isn't it? It's 100% for Bianca. Go to the front of the class. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Craig, what, what are the other health problems or the so-called comorbidities often experienced by people who suffer common recurrent headaches? Yeah, so I think comorbidities comes into it more if the patient's describing very severe headaches. So if they give you a numerical pain score where they say their headaches are always at least an 8 out of 10, and if their headache frequency is very high, so, you know, if they're having 15 or more headache days per month, then we're talking about a chronic version of their headache type. So these are the patients that most often have comorbidities. And as Paul mentioned earlier in the introduction, the most common comorbidities associated with these individuals is either anxiety or depression. So the and, and and this is actually true for a lot of people with chronic musculoskeletal conditions in general, not just severe chronic headaches, but but this is true for people with other chronic musculoskeletal conditions. There's a higher incidence of anxiety and depression, and a chiropractor in that situation might be wanting to think about a simple one-page instrument that you can easily print off the web called the HADS instrument, the Hospital Anxiety Depression Score HADS instrument, H-A-D. You can easily find that on the internet. It's a one-page instrument. Uh, You fill in a series of questions and it very instantly gives you a score for anxiety and it gives you a score for depression. So it'll give you a, a clinical impression of whether this could be a comorbidity that's that's now become part of this patient's clinical picture by by using a, a sheet like that. Um, the other common comorbidity that we think about with with tension headache and and migraine and indeed of course cervicogenic headache is neck pain. So there is a high association, uh, a high existence of neck pain disability 
uh, in people with with migraine, with tension, headache, and and most importantly, of course, with cervicogenic headache. So musculoskeletal pain, particularly neck pain, is the thing to be watched. Um, Perhaps with migraine, there's one more comorbidity I'll mention, and it's a slightly elevated risk of ischemic stroke. Now, there's still research going on in this area, but if you have a younger female with migraines, and particularly if she has elevated cholesterol and may be on the pill, so that uh, clinical picture of a young female on the pill with higher cholesterol who gets migraines, that individual has a slightly elevated risk of ischemic stroke. So that would be just something to be aware of, Uh, not something to alarm the patient about, but something to be aware of and be thinking about as you look at that patient's clinical picture. Hey, Bianca, how handy is that regards just trying to probe into a comorbidity and having like a little clinical pearl that Craig shared with us and our audience in the sense of the HADS instrument to try and deep to sort of delve in to say whether anxiety depression is part of maybe the overlay with presentation. It's a, it's a great little pearl. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Craig. Now, Craig, if we go to, to regards, headache's been perhaps reported as the third most common health complaint for why people see help from chiropractors. And if we now delve a bit into your research regarding which of these headaches are most often seen by chiros and similar other healthcare providers such as osteopaths and physiotherapists, what... What did your research tell us? So we just did a study looking at uh, looking at patients presenting with headaches to chiropractors. We had seventy uh, chiropractors around Australia involved in this study. Uh, seventy members of the ACORN, uh, the Australian Chiropractic Research Network, of a, a group of chiropractors that agreed to participate, and we had them. Um, inviting headache patients, consecutive headache patients for a period of time. I think we had about 224 headache patients complete this online survey, which was a pretty good response rate. And we asked them very key questions, firstly about their socio-demographic background. Uh, We asked them questions about their headache characteristics so that we could make a sort of provisional diagnosis about their headache type. And then the last part of the survey asked them very specific questions. It's called the HIT6 questionnaire, uh, the headache impact test, HIT6 questionnaire, which chiropractors can very easily get hold of once more on the internet. And those six questions that the patient answers, it enables us to give a level of headache disability score. So this gives you sort of a, a fuller sense not only of what headache type the patient has, but how much is it impacting on their personal life, their social life, their work life, their ability to sleep? So that's how the headache disability score works with the HIT6 instrument. So the results were very interesting. If we look at the socio-demographic background of chiropractic headache patients, three-quarters of them were female. So uh, very large female contingent. The biggest age group was between 41 and 65 years. About two-thirds of the entire headache population that we sampled were between the age of 41 and 65. Uh, 50% of them had a university education. So it appears that chiropractic headache patients are well-educated. Two-thirds were on a salary or self-employed, and three-quarters of them had private health insurance with extras cover. So that was the sort of socio-demographic profile of chiropractic headache patients. And and it sort of supported really what we've seen in medical uh, studies in medical headache populations too. Those with lower socioeconomic status uh, often are missing out on accessing healthcare providers that can assist them with headaches. And, of course, the higher prevalence of females 
um, is interesting, but that's probably related to the fact that tension, headache and migraine, which are the most common headaches, they are much more prevalent in females than males anyway. So when we looked at headache types, about a third of uh, the patients had a diagnosis of more than one headache. So that's interesting. I spoke earlier about migraine and tension headache often occurring together. So about a third of chiropractic headache patients had two headache types. So that's something to really be thinking about as a practitioner. One of your patients may come in with a migraine description one day, tension headache description the next. The other headache that can coexist with migraine to a lesser extent is cervicogenic headache. So you just need to be careful that you don't always assume it's that same headache. You just need to go back through those questions again because how you approach management, and I'm sure we'll get to management a little bit later, but how you approach management depends a little bit on the headache that presents on the day. But about when it was patients with just one headache type, about a third had migraine, about a third had tension headache, about one in ten had cervicogenic headache. If we look at chronicity, so we did ask patients about how often they suffer headaches. About 25% of chiropractic headache patients had more than 15 headache days per month. And about 50% had a score that was bigger than 8 out of 10 in terms of the severity of their pain. So when you think about patients telling you about that sort of frequency and severity, you should be thinking about those comorbidities that we spoke about earlier. And indeed, when we, when we, the last part of the questionnaire was the HIT6, uh, the headache impact test. And, uh, when we looked at the largest group with the most substantial or severe headache impact, it was either people with migraines or with mixed headaches. And the people with the least headache impact were people with tension headaches. So that, normal daily headache that Paul mentioned earlier, the one that you burden on people. So it scored lower with the HIT6 test. When we think about those different types of headaches that present to practice, how can chiropractors help or may present with the headaches? Yes, so how much we can help may, de may depend a little bit on, on a whole range of uh, factors uh, that, that is associated with that particular patient. Of course, the first thing we want to know about is their headache type, but there are really other factors that are going to impact upon how we manage a, he a headache patient apart from just their headache type. We did a study last year where we actually looked at how chiropractors most often manage headaches, and when it came to headache type, for migraine, we found that advice on headache triggers was the most common treatment chiropractors provided for migraine, and that was followed by stress management, which is interesting. And then the third most common treatment chiropractors provided for migraine was non-thrust mobilizations of the neck, not manipulation. Interesting, when it came to tension headache, once again, advice on headache triggers and stress management was number one and two. Soft tissue therapies was the third most common treatment chiropractors provide for people with tension headache. And then with cervicogenic headache, it was prescription exercises was the most common treatment. Spinal manipulation was the second most common treatment and soft tissue therapies came in third. So it's interesting having a bit of a look at how chiropractors report that that's how we're treating headaches. And uh, it certainly made us stop and think a little bit about where is the evidence uh, for these different approaches chiropractors are using for these different headache types. 
Hey, Craig, so can you repeat that? So with the cervicogenic headache, you're saying that chiropractors from the cohort that, that responded to your research were, were actually giving exercise prescription ahead of, say, spinal manipulation or adjustments. Is that right? It was not a big difference. There was, a, I think it was something like 93% said that uh, prescription neck exercises was the first thing they did. And it was something like 85% said spinal manipulation was the first thing they did. So prescription exercise, spinal manipulation and soft tissue therapies was the three big ones. Um, But, yeah, it's interesting results. And we often think of our profession as being so closely aligned with spinal manipulation that you, you might have thought that chiropractors are just dishing out spinal manipulation for all of these headaches is the most common thing they did. But that's not... Not what we found in our research. I suppose talking about more of a multi multimodal type approach, I suppose, with management. So, Craig, yeah. if, if, if we go to say, what is there good research to support this type of treatment approach? So, with the what, we, what you've described there, and how does it compare with, say, the headache treatment guidelines that have been recommended? Yeah, so the, the quality of the evidence varies for different approaches, but certainly um, there is very good evidence uh, and it's well supported that, that healthcare providers should be providing patient education uh, when it comes to headache management. So, you know, those chiropractors that are educating patients about headache triggers, that's very well supported by the guidelines and by the literature. I mean, particularly with tension, headache and migraine, we should be alerting our patients to to, to stress management, to, to, to triggers of stress, to triggers of tiredness. Uh, for women, sometimes it can be hormonal triggers. Uh, educating migraine patients also about odours, alcohol, certain foods. These can be very unique triggers for some migraine patients. And with tension headache, the other common triggers beyond stress and tiredness is caffeine, dehydration. So really kind of becoming aware of these triggers, exploring these triggers can be very insightful for a patient who who may not necessarily realise that these triggers just being educated about these triggers alone can make a huge difference to managing their headaches. So that's always a great place to start. When it comes to the manual therapies, we should take it one headache at a time. Um, Certainly with cervicogenic headache, there's been two systematic reviews of a number of randomised control trials, and both of them concluded that there was pretty good quality evidence for manual therapies as a treatment for cervicogenic headache. Uh, similarly, with tension headache, um, episodic tension headache, there was a systematic re- review done that found multimodal manual therapies was better than pharmaceutical approaches for episodic tension headache. And similarly, with chronic tension headache, um, another systematic review found manual therapies was more effective than patients who were receiving usual medical care, usual GP care. So chiropractors can feel quite confident with cervicogenic headache and tension headache that manual therapies is likely to be helpful and there's good evidence. Where we're struggling a bit in terms of manual therapies is with migraines. There's been two systematic reviews of the randomised control trials. Both of them concluded to date that um, the the control trials were not as good quality, um, more limited, so there's a more limited number of studies, and the results were less conclusive, more inconsistent. So it's really with migraine that we need to step back a little bit more and have a bit of a think about what the guidelines might bring into that patient's clinical picture and how we might proceed. And particularly with migraine, there is stronger evidence for pharmaceutical care. And so if the patient 
hasn't been down that road, it, I would be encouraging the patient to be thinking about where the strongest evidence currently is for migraine. But so often patients have been down that road and in, in so many cases with migraine, about 50% of migraine cases will say, I've tried the medical care, it either didn't work for me or the side effects, I struggled too much with the side effects uh, that I'm really looking for an alternative approach. And so if you explore not only the headache type and the evidence, but if you explore that patient's history and if you explore what they've tried, were they happy with it, about 50% of the time you'll, you'll find they've been down that road and so you'll really then trial a course of manual therapies as a chiropractor for that headache with the full knowledge that the evidence is, is not as strong. Hey, Bianca, I really like how Craig has sort of opened up the concept of really looking at things quite holistically, hasn't he, really, in regards looking at the triggers, looking at the causes, not just hands-on treatment. There's, there's all these other elements that we need to sort of really inquire about to get a, a full handling of the presentation. Yeah, and I think that's what patients are looking for these days too. They want a real holistic approach. They don't want just a fix me a lot of the time. I think people are really wanting to take on what can I do outside of the adjusting room yep. to keep myself well, keep myself functioning better. A high percentage of headache patients are very pluralistic about managing their headaches. In other words, They'll say, I, I use the, the drugs when I need to, but I use my chiropractor and my massage therapist when I need to. They take a, a very concurrent approach with their treatment. They're not, they're not really living in the silo that uh, sometimes as practitioners, we might be living in a bit of a silo about what we want to do. But you'll often find patients are shopping around and they'll be using different types of therapy. They might be, they might be using magnesium and coenzyme Q and, uh, and certain herbs, there's evidence for feverfew and uh, another herb called butterbur. They might be using a bit of massage and they're also, they've been to the neurologist and they know when they want to use their migraine drug and when they don't want to use their migraine drug. And so patients often do take a very pluralistic approach about their headache management. So, Craig, as a chiropractor, um, thinking about that multidisciplinary management, when should we be looking at bringing in, referring to other healthcare providers? Yeah, so I think if you're looking at a patient that's got severe headaches and chronic headaches uh, and you, you've had them fill in a HADS instrument and you can see that their score is very high for anxiety or high for, in, for depression, um, very carefully that's a topic that you need to approach with the patient and just to share with them that they may need more help than just yourself you know, whilst you're you're going to trial a course of care uh, and it's going to involve, you know, manipulation or mobilisation, education and so forth, you might also say that there could be other healthcare providers like a counsellor, for example, that could be able to assist them with some of these comorbidities that are going on. So it's really the, the anxiety and the depression that is probably the big one to watch out for. And, of course, in general, you may want to share with a patient that at the end of the day, manual therapies is long-term approach towards reducing their headache frequency. So it's an approach that's about reducing or preventing a percentage of their headaches. But you'd still want to educate that patient about, you know, in terms of migraine, you know, the fact that there are migraine drugs out there that can be acute, that can be used when the patient senses an acute attack is about to come on. And you really want to be just sharing with the patient, exploring with the patient, how, how are you going to manage that situation? 
because obviously having an adjustment when a patient has a full-blown headache is probably, there's no good evidence that that's going to shut that headache down. The, the care we provide is more about reducing the frequency long-term. So, you know, really having a pluralistic approach ourselves about about bringing in these other healthcare providers to manage uh, these other aspects, uh, these other comorbidities is something we should be watching for, particularly for patients with chronic and severe headaches. It's very insightful, Bianca, what uh, Craig's been talking about in regards to us working with other peers and, and I suppose sometimes recognising maybe our limitations uh, as yeah. chiropractors and saying, well, you know, maybe we can manage up to this point and at this point we need to now work with another practitioner, sometimes even move the patient to another practitioner if need be for a period of time or refer out if we're finding we're just not getting the results. What, what do you think? Yeah, that's right. And I think we we really come to the to that patient with providing the best service for them. And if that includes somebody else or another perspective, we're all on the same page usually, aren't we? That's all ultimately what we want for the patient. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, not with every case, but with, with, with some headache cases, you definitely need to be thinking in a very multifactorial way and in a very multimodal way. And I think patients ultimately respect you even more for introducing them to to that doctor or to that neurologist or to that counsellor that really assisted them with that part of their headache management that was really better served by those healthcare providers. If anything, uh, patients, I think, respect you more rather than than holding the patient to just manual therapies, even though that's really not going to be a great answer to some of these other health issues. Thank you, Craig. This has been fantastic. And look, you know, dedicating a lot of your work and time into research. I mean, I was speaking to Craig a bit earlier, Bianca, and you know, had a long day in practice and then spent a few hours in the middle of the day doing some research as well to fill his day. So he's, he's doing a lot of work, not only in his practice, but also outside his practice research-wise, which, you know, chiropractors are benefiting from uh, having his expertise. So, Craig, if I can just take the podcast to a different level now and ask from your perspective, uh, listeners would love to know what makes you tick. Can you share with us an incident or pivotal moment in your career that's that's inspired you that may inspire others? Oh, I don't know. Let me think about that one. I, I think uh, a question like that, I think what what sometimes comes comes to mind for me was the, the moment when I decided to be a chiropractor, which I think in a, to some extent was a very strange moment. I'd been fishing around for some role within healthcare and I, I realised that 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 being a medical doctor wasn't really a good fit for me. I was more interested in, in, in a role that was perhaps, in a sense, more holistic in its approach towards healthcare. And uh, I remember my father encouraging me one day, I think I was in my final year of high school, to go and chat to this highly popular chiropractor in Albury, Wodonga, that uh, that was a, sort of a bit of a, an identity, in the a local identity in the town. Uh, he was a bit famous for cowboy boots. He was an American guy, famous for cowboy boots and... Uh, these bolo ties, and he, he would even occasionally wear a, a cowboy hat to the clinic. So this guy was was quite the character. And I remember I went in there to, for an interview with him to, to get to know a bit more about chiropractic, and uh, he threw me on this zenith high-low table, which if, if you know what they're all about, you stand on this foot plate, and all of a sudden he hits a button, and this thing starts to tilt towards the floor. I mean, I was a, a 17-year-old <laughs> high school student suddenly getting tilted into space, and then these sections underneath my chest and pelvis were were popping up with these hisses and clunks, and mm. he'd be slamming down on my pelvis and spice, <laughs> and I'd be hearing all sorts of strange noises. And then 
after a few minutes, he suddenly hit that button and threw me up onto my feet again and said, how was that? (laughs) (laughs) It was inspirational, but uh, it obviously had some sort of impact on me because um, I suddenly started to explore chiropractic uh, a little more and uh, and enrolled uh, in the five-year course down there at RMIT, what was then called Philip Institute of Technology in Melbourne and uh, that was really the start of my journey was this very curious character with this very strange machine so I don't know that that's inspirational but uh, decisions to to follow a career path can sometimes start from very strange places. (laughs) Terrific. (laughs) Well I mean most copies of the time would have been American trains so I suppose that sort of fits the persona to some degree too. It does. Indeed. Fantastic. Craig if we can finish the show with Three take-home messages from you for our listeners. What would they be? All right. Well, uh, I think I'd start off by saying that making a headache diagnosis is critical to best management. So when it comes to headaches, I would really encourage chiropractors and other healthcare practitioners to really take the time to pin down a diagnosis, ask those key questions like we did uh, with our little game earlier in the podcast, and really find out exactly what the headache type because that is going to lead you to making better decisions about optimal care in terms of manual therapies and in terms of working with other healthcare providers. So that would be my first point is to really look to making a a formal headache diagnosis and it's really not that difficult to do. Um, I think my second take-home message would be explore with the patient what their past treatment has been. You know, what was the efficacy of that treatment? Uh, What was the side effects? Because this is going to really help you to take that next step about framing whether you should be working alone or whether you should be referring that patient to a different practitioner. Uh, Really, how are you going to kind of approach this patient based on their previous experience and what types of healthcare they've tried? So um, I think it helps us to make more honest decisions about whether we should be starting care or whether we really should be referring them for medical care where there might be better evidence evidence for a certain type of migraine, for example. Um, third take-home message, I think if you proceed with care, think beyond manual therapies alone. Um, you know, don't be monomodal in your care and just provide adjustments. Think about educating the patient about headache triggers. Uh, often patients are quite ignorant. Patients with migraine and tension headache, they can often be quite ignorant about these triggers. And, and so that type of education can be vital and explore the, the chronicity and the severity of their headaches to the extent that it will make you think about whether you should be assessing them for anxiety and depression. So think about care beyond manual therapies is that, that third message that I'd be thinking about so that you can really be working with others if you need to, to to really helping the whole clinical picture of that patient in a much more multimodal way. Absolutely terrific. Fantastic, Craig. And look, if you want to hear more from Craig, Craig is the opening speaker at the Neurologic Education event, our next seminar series, Integrative Therapies for Headache and Migraine from the 1st to the 3rd of March in 2019 at CQ at 400 Kent Street in Sydney. So all details can be picked up from www.neurologiceducation.com.au. And I really love how you've encapsulated this this podcast because some of the things we're going to talk about, especially on the Sunday with some of the uh, psychology associations with headache and nutrition aspects of headache with uh, Damien Christoph and 
Dr. Christabel Yeo from Acnum, the president of Acnum, is going to be talking about nutrition aspects of headache. It really, you've encapsulated it all really nicely in this podcast about all those elements to sort of holistically look after it. So we, Carl and I, really look forward to you coming on board and especially opening up the actual uh, seminar series. Also, Craig, can you talk us a little bit more about ACORN? Can you tell us a bit about the project of ACORN and, um, and encourage ACORN chiropractors to participate in some uh, an upcoming study that you're uh, exploring? Yes, I was uh, mentioning uh, earlier that... Um there is a, a study that uh, I'm a co-author on that's going to look at the research priorities of Australian chiropractors. So it's a it's a, going to be an online survey that we're distributing where chiropractors will be asked a series of questions that will really explore uh, what they believe are the important research priorities for the profession over the coming years. And interestingly, we're also going to be providing the same questions to the chiropractic academic community at our universities, at our three major schools at, at, the, at the three universities, and getting their impression of where chiropractic research uh, potentially should be heading, what the priorities, the research priorities are of the academic community. So this paper is really the first time, I think, in any great detail here in Australia, uh, we've we've really started to look in a little bit more detail at, at what the research priorities are of both practitioners in the field and and academics working at chiropractic schools. So that's a, a study that I'm involved with that we'll be rolling out uh, in the coming months and uh, we'll be rolling that out to ACON chiropractors. Uh, around 1,800 chiropractors around Australia will be invited to, to respond to this questionnaire. I think it's an exciting project and it will be very interesting to see what chiropractors and academics believe are the important uh, priorities for the profession with research in the coming years. And uh, uh, I, I encourage practitioners who are members of ACORN to participate in that study and, and provide us with their input. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And who, can I ask who you're co-authoring that with? Uh, Greg Kalchuk, okay, uh, yep. who's president of the WFC, uh, distinguished professor John Adams, uh, at UTS, who's who's one of my supervisors for my PhD, uh, and Lyndon Woods, uh, and a fellow named Andrew Leach from South Australian University, uh, and myself are involved. Wow, that's an impressive team. Hey, Bianca, what do you think? Oh, just hearing you speak about that, Craig, with the research, it just um, I have such appreciation for those of you who've taken practice to the next level with research and that we as hands-on practitioners only get to benefit from all of your your hard work so thank you yeah it's, it's oh, thanks so much it's been a pl- I'm, I'm loving the research journey i'm still a little bit of a new newbie really to the research world i'm just finishing my phd over the next few months so uh, i still have a long way to go with my research but i'm absolutely absolutely loving the, this new journey at this point in my life and you think, Craig, just for the future for yourself, visionary-wise, are you thinking maybe that maybe one day you'll bring students underneath you to supervise or what's your, what's your thoughts down the track? Yeah, look, that's always a possibility. I think as you get towards the pointy end of your PhD, you, you are starting to then think seriously about the next step and whether you're, you're going to take that step into the academic world. But uh, that's certainly something I'm going to be open to in the coming 12 months for sure. Excellent. Well, congratulations with everything you've done so far and also for the future. And thank you so much for joining us on Backchat Podcast tonight. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Backchat. To stay abreast with updates on Backchat, please go to our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash Backchat Podcast. 
all relevant website links of today's podcast will be in our Backchat Podcast Facebook page. If you like the show, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes. We leave with one thought, be the best at what you do, and you will grow and inspire others around you. We look forward to catching up with you on our next Backchat Podcast. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.